Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Help on the Way podcast, where we will be featuring December 2nd, 1981, from the Assembly Hall of the University of Illinois, from Champaign-Urbania, Illinois. I am your co-host, The Game, here with my fellow co-hosts, Knob and Fig. Let's go ahead and give them a party on, Wayne. Party on, Garth. Party on, Wayne. Party on, Garth. And We're not worthy! Is, and that is because Wayne's world and Wayne Campbell's fictional hometown was Champaign, Illinois. I thought I it was think. Aurora. I'm fairly sure. Oh shit, sure. you're right, you're right, you're right. Oh um, my god. Alright, we're oh, keeping this, you're that keeping is this not all in. Right, we no, we're keeping this all in. We're keeping this all in. Um, I'm sure, I'm I, sure I feel... Champaign, Urbania is a suburb of Aurora. So sure. it all works out that way. Uh, hey, like I said, I'll, once I'll again, give you that. <laughs> once again, I am your comfort, co-host, the game here with my fellow co-host, Nob Fig. And uh, this week we're featuring uh, December 2nd, 1981. Uh, but before we dive into that delicious, delicious show, we're going to dive into our Channel 6 news update for the week which is really just our Dead & Company on tour update of the week, because there really is no other um, Grateful Dead news going on. Um, really, it's the summertime, and uh, jam band tour season is, is happening for everybody. Um, so <laughs> so news is kind of quiet until uh, until tour stops. But, just couch um, tour news. Yes, since we last spoke, there has been um, four shows that we have listened to, and then I think by the time this recording... Um, falls into your lap, there'll be a considerable amount more. Um, but um, what we have listened to so far would be the May 26th show in Dallas, the May 28th show in Atlanta, the May 30th show in Charlotte, and the June 1st show, which is the most recent show, a little peek behind the curtain for us, from Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, truthfully, I don't really have any hot takes from these four shows. Um, these I mean, four I sh- do. Well, what were your hot takes? Go ahead. Give them They've to them. been hot. Ooh, I, I think nice. I, yeah, nice. I, I, I like them this year. Um, but, you know, not that I don't like them in other <laughs> years, but this, this year especially, this has been good. This has been special. Uh, it's been fun couch touring and, you know, hanging out with everybody. And, uh, I mean, yeah, like, I don't have any super standouts in my mind, but I, yeah, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, my, um, my hot take is that, uh, if you mention Dead and Company on a, a Grateful Dead podcast, you should get your podcasting license taken away. Um, I'm joining with the throng of folks who are really <laughs> doubling down on the uh, please don't talk about Dead and Co. in my Grateful Dead space. Um, I think they're super cool and super normal and right. Um, all right, sarcasm aside. Wow. Uh, That's what you really think. Yeah, it's been a good... It's been a good run for Dead & Co. This is a hot tour for them. Uh, yeah. I thought the Atlanta and Raleigh shows stood out as particularly strong. And no disrespect to the good people of Charlotte, but it, Charlotte was definitely the weakest of the run so far. Um, but yeah, they've been good. They've been hot. I think having the night of break in between each of the shows has really helped the band not only keep their instruments, you know, their voices sounding really good, but just kept the energy from getting too tired. 
Uh, it's it's like even Charlotte being the weakest of the bunch, still a very good show. Been a good tour. Excited for what's coming. Yeah, that was going to be my my next point actually. That with with Charlotte, while it's the currently weak point we would say of this tour, uh, that's still a pretty damn strong show. Yeah. <laughs> with oh, still yeah. probably considered a high point in many other it's, tours. The Charlotte was a it was a tale of two sets, and I definitely stole that from somebody online. But yeah. set. <laughs> Thank you. One was like rough. Like there was a very good loser and like a good jam in the let it grow, but it, it was generally rough. And then they came out with set two, and I think they could kind of tell how rough it was because they immediately play a help slip Franklin that was better than all of set one combined. And from that point onward, they're just playing really hot and do not look back. And uh, what makes Raleigh stand out more is just that they started that hot from the jump as opposed to getting into it in set one at Charlotte. Now, here is a totally just came to me off the top of my head. Yeah, that's what this is all about. Can a can there be a show and it can be considered good if there is one very considerable bad set and then one very good set? Yeah, think you could call it great but i do think you could call it good um we love a good a good comeback story a uh, uh yeah i think it's possible personally yeah, certainly we've definitely listened to shows on here where i i rag on one of the sets and then go but the other set right like they go backstage during the set break and get their chemicals uh yeah. readjusted <laughs> um and uh yeah they come back with a different set and yeah set two's yeah completely it, it's almost uh on purpose I, I feel like they do that you know like they give themselves that kind of uh blanket or that kind of space to um i don't know do better if if they couldn't do it in set one yeah different songs different feel drum space you know there's a lot going on set two that's different than set one um, and then a quick rundown for what's coming up next for Dead & Company. Um, we've, uh, looks like it's a little bit of an East Coast swing here. We got June 3rd in Bristow, Virginia. June 5th in Burgettstown, Pennsylvania, which I'm pretty sure is the Pittsburgh area. That's Pittsburgh, yeah. Is it Pittsburgh? Um, June 7th in St. Louis. 9th and 10th in Chicago. Uh, 13th in Cincinnati. And then the 15th will be from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. But we will be definitely speaking to you before that show yeah. for certain. Um, tickets. Uh, yes. Um, so actually, I guess, um, as have we discussed our plans for that show on the podcast? Or was that, uh, has that, wow, has that all been off air? Well, we will be, we discussed how we'll be sharing friendship bracelets. <laughs> A la Taylor Swift course, and uh, Cherry Garcia. That was my favorite Grateful Dead era, um, which is, of course, the Go to Heaven album cover. <laughs> Can I just put like a fan on you the whole time so that you're, yeah. you're billowing? Um, we are all going to the June 15th Philadelphia show. Nob and myself have procured our tickets. Um, mine to the from the good folks of Cash or Trade, and I do believe. Nob purchases directly from the devils, known as Ticketmaster. Yeah. <laughs> um, the robot devil. Uh, I'm, I'm playing fast and loose. I'm still holding to my... I got my cards close to my chest. Yeah, I, I, I would have if I didn't. I My show crew is eight people. So oh, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I have a different Get it, kind of. 
lined I'm, I'm up. I'm pretty sooner. ad hoc, as it were. Yeah, I, if it were just me, I would, or or a smaller group of folks, I would be waiting until closer to. I did see a post literally today on the Dead and Company subreddit because about uh, Philly tickets are, are getting cheaper, and I was like, well, oh, I'm, I'm like, are they? Like, no, they're not. I just tried to buy them like yesterday. a little. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, we'll, just, we'll call it downward pressure. They were like, you could still get pit tickets for like two eighty eight a person, and I'm like, two eighty eight is still way so, more than I want to spend. Yeah, that's <laughs> a amount of money. You know, but but the young kids seemed excited, and I didn't want to take that away from them. So, yeah. <laughs> enough of the Dead and Company show. Although on the fifteenth, if you happen to be in the Hall of Fame club and see a little chubby redheaded guy, tap me on the shoulder and say hello because it's probably me. I've <laughs> been looking to kill three podcast hosts. This is your chance. <laughs> if you if you Make want to if you want to end this podcast, you can you can do it on June fifteenth in Philadelphia. I love how you're claiming the phenotype chubby redheaded kid at at a dead concert, like as if there's not going to be hundreds. Oh, you'll be able to. You'll be able to, I I just radiate my screen name. Like you could just tell. Like oh, he's he's the game. He's the game. <laughs> he just. Well, he you looks will be like wearing a your, fan. Yeah, you're the game. <laughs> Outfit and and getup that says your is name he, plastered all over it. Is he wearing a tie dye shirt that says "I grew up in Pennsylvania <laughs> in the 1980s and 1990s"? It was I, the best place to be. Ask, ask me, me about my road system. Ask me about WTPA. Classic <laughs> rock that really rocks. All right, enough of the silliness for this week. We're going to move on to. <laughs> we're going to move on to this week's show. Which is December 2nd, 1981. But before we move on to that, we have a little show sheet here. And a little spoiler, it says, Don't put your cursor over the highlighted text. I'll reveal it as a discussion point. So our uh, our co-host, Fig, has had this hot discussion point all morning. And we don't know what it is. So yeah, really I'm a little striptease on Fig, the show sheet. Can you guys Fig, see it? Take it away. Okay, so our uh, co-hosting brethren, uh, Nob, came up with, many moons ago, came up with a saying called, uh, brought to you by the letter C, (laughs) and the idea being that uh, the Grateful Dead... I stole it from Sesame Street, but they probably meant it My friend Cookie Monster over here, (laughs) um, you know, the euphemism is, you know, he didn't want to say, hey, they're all coked up, because it's the dead in the 80s. But I don't think we would, and I haven't talked to you guys about this, but I don't think we would be in disagreement that this was a coked up show, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. Great. All right. And Gabe, you're on. You're on the same page there. Yeah. I mean, considering like what we just listened to, it's like they, you know, didn't come. It's like they, you know, ate molasses before the show. <laughs> considering this one, that yeah. was true. I literally listened to this last night, right after the Raleigh show finished, and I was like, "Oh, this is how you do, Mama tried." This is how uh, it's supposed to sound. Yeah. Well, the um. What the Franklins was like spent. I was way Franklin up. was gonna be the one that I was gonna shout out as the most yeah. letter C- seed. Up. Letter seed up. All right. So what I posit to you as a discussion question is, and I'm gonna reveal it now. Okay. Are we fans of psychedelic rock or are we fans of cocaine rock? Mm. And and now I say that because if you go to like all music or Wikipedia or like Spotify, it's like, oh, you like the Grateful Dead? You like psychedelic rock? You know, here's some incense and peppermints by Strawberry Alarm Clock, and here's you know this thing from the <laughs> mid '60s. You know, like they're lumped in with psychedelic yeah. rock, but when you think about it, 
<laughs> they're kind of in a lot of times it's more of like a cocaine thing that that we're really listening to or enjoying as fans so what were your thoughts on them well maybe a speedball i mean like let's be fair but like go ahead as a as our resident primal dead defender uh i like this psychedelic rock but yeah i mean i would agree that by i mean to me calling the dead psychedelic rock really only covers the 60s and maybe the early 70s the influence of psychedelic rock remains with the band through the end, you know, they still keep their bird songs and your occasional dark mm. stars, and there are ties to that world. But I, I do think that by even the 70s, it becomes mm. more weed rock. And yeah, by the 80s, it's comfortably coke rock. Um, <laughs> I don't know. And, I like And one thing all. I've learned in this show is like, there's the, the dead toured a lot in the 80s. There's a lot yeah. of shows from the 80s that have survived. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I love our boy Brent, um, and so I do. I am a very big fan of the cocaine rock, but I do think, at least with my other listening habits, I tend to lean more towards the psychedelic rock, which I think is why I'm so sweet on those 25 minute turn on your love lights or whatever. Game? Um, so I'm not a huge fan of Primal Dead, and I do agree with what you with what you said, and I'll. That Primal Dead probably is from when, or Psychedelic Dead, is from when they began through, like, 72, 73, okay? I really started, I guess what I first really enjoyed from them was was their folk rock stuff, like yeah. the Americana stuff, right? right. Yeah. And, and I Which like that kind of... got big, like, let's face right. it, like, yeah, yeah, American yeah. Beauty, and that's what I would Working call Man's Dead... That's yes. not psychedelia, but it, what's no, interesting no. is that they entered and remained in the American story or the zeitgeist as psychedelic as the '60s, right? So go ahead, I don't yeah. want to. But but like, answer. you you also made a made a good comparison. Like when the only psychedelic rock I would consider that I enjoy, like would I guess would be Grateful Dead. <laughs> like I don't like. I don't, you know, like, like Incense Peppermints is a good song, but, like, I don't seek that out. <laughs> like, you know, I don't... Song? Oh, yeah. Incense oh, Peppermints. I really... I was, like, marveling at you, Fig, for coming up with such a good, fake, funny, <laughs> psychedelic song slash band. I was like, yeah, they are all called Incense and Peppermints. <laughs> no, well, that's, that's, that's the song. Um, yeah, yeah, the... yeah, yeah. Oh, I have to think about it. Turtles? I don't know. What I think so. Okay, we'll just. But like, if if I if I went through like my personal like enjoying music, strawberry alarm clock. I said Trigger. strawberry alarm clock. That was the thing. Like that had to. Like I was like, yeah, of course, all psychedelic bands are called like strawberry alarm <laughs> yeah. clock or whatever. Like, well, okay, finish. The great. No, I, I don't. I don't even know what I'm trying to say. I don't um, know what I'm trying to say either. <laughs> I I guess. I guess for me personally, I like the weed rock that gets coked up. <laughs> mm. You know, you know, mm. like like I don't. You're a stoner who likes to party. Yeah, don't <laughs> don't give me that's that's just that's just that's, that's a more confident yes I've never said. Um, <laughs> but don't I don't know like some of that like like acid party what do they call them the acid test stuff acid test right some of that stuff i listen to i'm like how the fuck is this enjoyable 
Mm-hmm. Like, like, but that's me. Like, I, I, so I guess me personally, I'm a fan of, of the weed rock on cocaine versus the psychedelic rock, but maybe with a little LSD chaser. I don't know. <laughs> but I think that, I mean, that it makes sense that you would be into the Grateful Dead if that's what you like. And, and, and that's, that's kind of my point is that, you know, I, I recognize, you know, that you and I are not primal dead, you know, champions as much as Dab is. Um, but that's not what really the dead were about for the last 20 years of their existence. <laughs> so you get to a show like this, and I, I think it actually gets closer to what the dead were actually about. I hate to say it like that, but, it, you know, this, this was a good show. And, and I think maybe we should uh, segue into uh, the show for... Yes, said show. Um, said show, what we're speaking about, that was brought to you by the letter cocaine, was uh, December... <laughs> was December 2nd, 1981, from the Assembly Hall, University of Illinois. They probably bought their cocaine from some fucking young whippersnapper. I'm using the F word today. Uh, from young whippersnapper college kids in the Champaign-Urbania, Illinois area. This was a Wednesday night. And, um, yeah, get coked up on a Wednesday night and play some good songs. Uh, set one, Bertha, greatest story ever told, Peggyo, Mama Tried, Mexicali Blues, Brown Eyed Women, Passenger, Good Times, Cumberland Blues, Looks Like Rain, China Cat, Sunflower, I Know You Rider. Fig, what were your thoughts on set one? Yeah, I like set one. I like set two. This was a great show overall. I really did like it. Um, just by way of, you know, telling the fans which source to listen to i really like the hunter siemens matrix uh for the fans who don't know what a matrix recording is it's the best parts about an audience recording the best parts about a soundboard recording and you stick them together i.e you get to hear the the fans enjoy themselves as well as hear the band and all of its richness and depth and it was a really good recording overall although i think in the second set someone may know better than me but it sounded like it just switched to an audience recording but it was still really good uh, starts with Bertha, which is always a great uh, uh, show starter. Except Jerry tri- trips over the first line. He says, I had a run run. <laughs> that was <laughs> funny. Um, otherwise, uh, really good version. Uh, really great boppy rhythm and tempo, which was kind of a theme for the night. I liked Brent right out the gate there. And we go into Greatest Story. This was a fun rocking version of that. Uh, I like Jerry's tone in this one because uh, he got the Mutron out and he was just you know playing his kind of... Uh, Ottawa uh, to his Ottawa content. I'm not saying Ottawa, I'm saying Ottawa. Uh, Peggio, um, I like Brent's organ tone in this one. It sounded kind of like a video game. It was kind of interesting throughout, and it was just a well-played version of Peggio. Mama Tried was really fun. Um, really good, fast version of Mama Tried with a lot of really fast Jerry runs. I, same thing with Mexicali, they kept it going. Uh, Bobby goes off mic for the start of one of the verses, uh, like the second or third verse, which was interesting. But then he pops back on and doesn't miss a beat like a boss, which was really cool to hear. Brown Eyed Women was a real highlight of the show. Really great tempo. uh, Good, nimble, inspired playing by Jerry on Brown Eyed Women. That's one that's not to be missed. Passenger is a good version of a song that I don't necessarily rate. It got a little noisy at the end with everyone trying to play over everyone else, but that's just the kind of show. Everyone was topped up on cookies or something, I'm not sure, but they were all really enjoying themselves on Passenger. And then we slow things down with a um, Brent's Blues. We have Good Times, which is you know also titled Never Trust a Woman, at least in my mind. And we have... That is uh, the real title. It is the real title? 
I believe so. I think the fans call it the Good Times Blues, but when you look on Dead.net, they call it Never Trust a Woman. Yeah, I think it goes back and forth, and I imagine it's a cover, right? No, that's a Brent tune. Really? Oh, cool. Yeah. Very oh, interesting. Yeah. Wow, okay. Um, well, you see, it's, it's, it, it is unfair to call it Never Trust a Woman, because yeah. Brent doesn't, you know, that statement in its own right is bigoted and chauvinist. <laughs> However, Brent you know, nimbly, um, you know, tells you exactly the type of woman that you shouldn't trust, which it's, is one it's who... It's not don't trust all women. It's don't trust women in pants. <laughs> Skirts are fine, according to Brent Midler. Uh, Skirts, perfect. No problem. But pants that are too tight, you know, th- those, uh, those women in athleta- athleisure clothing. How do you think he'd feel about today's day and age? I think he'd just, uh, he just, he would be offended. He'd have to he'd be like, trust women who wear their pants too tight. <laughs> I think, yeah, him and Taylor Swift would have beef or something. <laughs> um, so, yeah, good time. I didn't realize that. Thank you enough for telling me that that was a Brent original. I liked Brent's uh, blues church organ solo. And then Jerry picks up a solo not to be outdone. There was a lot of good interplay between Brent and Jerry tonight, which is always makes for a good night. Uh, and I wrote that it something like good times is better than a, a Bobby Weir blues, uh, which would be slotted in to that part of set one. Um, if not for good times, which was cool to hear. Uh, Cumberland was absolutely coked out. Uh, Jerry has some smoking finger picking. Sounds like they're all having fun. Phil was really feeling it as well on Cumberland. That's one that's not to be missed. Um, looks like rain was a real downer. Um, I mean, it was a good, well-played version, but kind of like read the room. Like everyone's having a good time and here we go. You know, with looks like rain, a Bobby slow song. Uh, there's a build at the end that just kind of fizzles out uh, because I think they were really just trying to end the sh- the set, which was China Rider. And one of Brent's assets that I love, one of the things that he brings to the table is the use of the modulator wheel on his mm-hmm. keyboard, which is the one that can make it go like and Brent was doing it throughout the show. And he did it at the start of China, and it was really cool to hear. Um, he did it throughout the second set as well. Um, notoriously in, in Not Fade Away. It sounded really cool what he was doing in Not Fade Away, but that's in set two. So the jam between China Rider was good. Kind of just chugs along. I didn't think they were doing all that much, but it was yeah nice to hear. And Rider was good, but not great. And that's how they end set one. So let's hear what Knob has to say about things. Thanks. Um... I would say we generally agree on this. This is a really strong set one, uh, really fun energy. Bertha's a great start. Uh, the drummers are really tuned in. Some strong vocals from Jerry, flubs aside. Very high energy tempo. I think Bertha openers aren't always great, but a great Bertha opener is like magic. Um, a strong transition into Greatest Story Ever Told. Uh, it doesn't have as much energy as you maybe want out of Greatest Story, but it is a well-played rendition. A very pretty Peggio, some good vocals from Jerry, lovely solos. Definitely agreed, I really enjoyed Brent's like electric keyboard sound here. Uh, not as much dynamic play as you maybe want with Peggio, but it's still good. A jaunty Mama Tried. Uh, got a good groove to it. Bobby's voice sounds nice, Jerry gets some hot licks in. Brent's organ solo sounds great. There's really nothing to gripe about with this Mama Tried. 
and I, I hate to say it because it's never been a favorite of mine, but this Mexicali also sounds great. Uh, Bob and Brent's voices blend really nicely. Uh, Brent's adding just the right touches underneath the Jerry solo. Same as Bob. This is a very good night for, for Brent and Jerry interplay. A fast brown-eyed woman. Yeah, coked up is definitely a great way to describe it. Not, not to make the usual joke at Dead & Company's expense, but this would kill current Bob Weir. His yeah. hands would fall off of his body and his heart would give out. Um, though, in 1981, this is a great night for Bob. Some really thoughtful and high-energy interplay throughout the show, but Brown Eyed Women is definitely a nice showcase of that. Very dancey groove, tight vocals, even the harmonies really work. Definitely check out Brown Eyed Women as a highlight of this set. A sloppy start to Passenger, but once it gets going, it's going. It's good, it just... They didn't quite have it at the jump. Brent's harmonies make all the difference. Phil's got some really impressive counter melodies. It's not a highlight of the set or anything, but it, it ends better than it starts. Uh, and it's just always nice to hear Passenger. Uh, they would only play it two more times after this before dropping it as the Grateful Dead. Um, yeah, Never Trust a Woman is a fun, more laid-back 12-bar blues. Uh, in that same world as, as the other Bobby Blueses that you mentioned. Brent sounds nice. Uh, it's still kind of baby Brent. He, he hasn't gotten to the full rasp that you'll get in the mid to late 80s, but there's still some gruffness to it that isn't quite there in 79 or 80. This song is a great solo vehicle. I mean, it's a 12-bar blues, but a slow 12-bar blues, which gives them some time to really think about what they're doing. And Brent's solo especially soars, but Jerry's solo is also a smoker. Neither of them seems to want to be outdone by the other, so they both bring their A-game. Mm -hmm. Hot, hot, hot Cumberland blues. This is definitely one of the first... Well, I've been thinking it throughout, but this is one of the songs that made me think, yeah, all right, this is a show brought to you by the letter C. No <laughs> question in my mind. Jerry is tearing this Cumberland up. It's, it's a lot of fun. I didn't think Looks Like Rain was like a full-on downer, but that's mostly because it was a very fast Looks Like Rain. It mm. wasn't the usual ballady dirge that it can be. And while it still did have that emotionality and it brought the energy down a little bit, I think Bobby got into it, which is what you want from Looks Like Rain, and the, the drummers kept it alive enough that it didn't feel like we had totally lost all the energy. And then we get to the China Rider. I will say, when it was just Jerry doing the riff, the China Cat felt like it was going to be way too fast. But once you add the other instruments, it was really working. This is the band at their best. The drummers adding just the right touch, uh, really in the pocket here. Uh, a fun China Cat and the transition jam. It almost feels like you're going up a roller coaster. Like we're about to hit the drop into Rider, but we're building, we're building, we're building, we're building. And now here we go. Here's the fun part. Yeah, I like uh, that. Yeah, and it was a good rider. Again, not a great rider, I would agree with you there. But it was definitely a fun way to close out set one. Yeah, all in all, I enjoyed that a lot. What did you think, game? It was all good. Yeah. <laughs> all of it. Um, Bertha was good. Greatest Story Ever Told was good. Peggy O, good. Mama Tried, good. Dude, is there a theme here? Uh, Mexicali Blues was good. Brown Eyed Women was good. Passenger, great. Uh... Never trust a woman. I we need to I need to start making notes when I'm reading these set lists 
from the dead base that sometimes they're shorthand, like good times. I'm like, good times. I just read over that and didn't realize that was Never Trust a Woman. Uh, but that was great. Cumberland Blues, great. Looks like rain. Eh. But still great. So like it's still <laughs> it's it's still it's it's an eh. Yeah, you're creating on a curve, it's it's yeah. great, but it's eh. It's 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 it, it's a it's a good eh. Um <laughs> and then set one ending with China Cat Rider. Like, I think that's dope as hell. Um Yeah, that would be if 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 that was a set list that and speed that was being played now in twenty twenty three, I would fucking be awesome. Um absolutely fantastic first set. Probably um an all timer. I don't want to say all timer, but at least recently for us, yeah. Yeah, at least for me, for what I enjoy, yeah. Um set two, uh Feels like a stranger, uh, Franklin's Tower. Uh, then we got Lost Sailor, Saint of Circumstance, Terrapin Station, uh, Drums and Space, Not Fade Away, Stella Blue, Around and Around, Good Lovin', and then an encore of Don't Ease Me In. Nob, what were your thoughts on set two? Sure. Um, I enjoyed set two. I thought set two was a little more up and down than set one, but there is a lot of really great stuff within set two. Uh, I feel like A Stranger is a really fun set two opener. I think it's a nice high-energy way of saying, hey, we're back, um, which is always a good time. Uh, I really liked what Brent was doing with his his synthesizer and the the modulator wheel like we were talking about. This is a good uh, showcase of that. Some very groovy vibes to the jam. Jerry's solo's hot. The interplay between him and Brent is killer. Phil's holding down a tight groove. It's a very good feel like a stranger. Definitely a highlight of this show for me. And then a fast fucking Franklin's. Good God. So I, I, can I just jump in for a moment? I, yeah. I, I got... <laughs> I found a website that'll let you like you know tap your phone to figure yeah. out the, the the tempo. Does anybody want to guess what the tempo was? I don't know. Four hundred. Okay, no, it was not four hundred beats per Five, minute. Fine, five hundred. Final was... answer. <laughs> Game. What? Okay, it was one hundred and twenty beats per minute. Wow. So every a beat every half a second. I was muted, and I apologize. It's okay. I forgive you. Um, yeah, it was... I I think it was a little too fast to find anything particularly unique. Like, they couldn't really go on any tangent that, that sounded exploratory because they had to keep playing Franklin's Tower as fast as they were playing, but it, it's good. Uh, it does get quiet at one point. I mean, as quiet as you can get while playing at this speed. Some some slight yeehaw vibes in the middle from the drummers, especially. Uh, a, a good Franklin's, for sure. Uh, a fast lost sailor, but this one's actually able to settle down into a quieter groove when it needs to. Bobby gets really into this. The The vocals can occasionally get a little too much. Not every note he sang was... Uh, an in-tune note, but that's because the emotionality of it was coming through. But there's just, there's a sensitivity here that, that isn't present in every song tonight that I really appreciate on this Lost Sailor. 
uh, and some nice energy on Saint of Circumstance. Always appreciate some good Bob and Brent harmonies, and the, the build-up in the jam is particularly nice. Um, I can't, I don't know if I really feel this way, but it, it's, for, like, early 80s dead, this is kind of a dream set list, at least on paper. It's, it's fairly standard for the era, but it's just a lot of songs and a lot of weird songs that I really like together. Like, I really like the Sailor Saint Terrapin combo. Stranger Franklin's is a really fun way to start the second set. I just, I was happy yeah. reading this on paper and really enjoyed the listen. Well, we could call it Feel Like a Franklin's. Yeah, we could. We, we could. could. Um... Yeah, very pretty terrapin. Everything that needs to work on it works. It's sensitive when it needs to be. It's ripping when it needs to be. Some strong vocals from Jerry. The drummers are especially adding a lot here. It's it's a good terrapin. Not a not a bad drums, but just kind of a nothing drums. It it, it there was really no point of it that made me go, "Wow, I'm so glad I heard all 9 minutes of this drums." Um it's a fun space, a short space, which is nice. Uh, a little funky, especially towards the end as we get into the build-up for Not Fade Away. Uh, nice, beefy build-up on the Not Fade Away there. It's good. It's fun. It's fine. It's it's not a favorite of mine, but it's good. Um, a very pretty Stella Blue. Uh, Jerry's really bringing it vocally, but it really gets cooking when they get to the solo. Jerry's solo on Stella Blue is a highlight of the night. Uh, they're really cooking, really gorgeous solo. Little bit of a ripcord to, to borrow fish lingo into around and around. I I know the whole point of this podcast is to like basically play backseat driver with the Grateful Dead. No. I had to cut what? around and around. I if I were in if I had any say or power, I'd have gone straight from Stella Blue to Good Lovin', and I think the show would be better off for it. I like around and around. This is not a great around and around. Bobby does not nail most of the words. They don't get to the high energy ending peak that you really want. I, I, I'd have skipped it and gone straight to Good Lovin' because Good Lovin' is very good. That is way, way better of a way to close out this second set. It's just got some really good energy. The whole band just seems so much more into it. Um, and... I am only just now finding out that there was a Don't Ease Me In encore because my tape stopped at Good Lovin'. So I will call it a day. You, you here. didn't miss much. What did you think, Fig? Yeah, you didn't miss much on that uh, Ease Me In there at nah, the end. No, I didn't think so. Um, some things I agree with. Some things and I don't, guessed. Which makes this podcast fun. Yeah. Uh, and, and, some, and some introspection that, that, I, that I got out of this second set. Um, starting with Stranger, which doesn't usually fill me with introspection, except for the fact that I did love the tones and the interplay. I use the word interplay, uh, same as you, uh, between uh, uh, Brent's and Jerry. Uh, their tones were really awesome, and just like their interplay at the, towards the later part of the song was really cool to hear. Uh, Franklin's was a galloping 120 beats per minute, but... I you mentioned where it got soft, and I did say that it, the song did have some dynamics uh, for as fast as it was. Um, it was kind of nice to hear Jerry noodling a little bit softer. I, you can't say slower because it was still really fast um, and somewhat delicate. But the but the drums, you know, the, the pulse of the song was was really fast. 
So um, interesting uh, way to set start set two. We get into Sailor Saint. I wrote that this was these were really good, powerful versions of the song, especially Saint. I think I like that better than Sailor. And then at the end, one of the drummers, I'm gonna guess Mickey, just starts kind of hitting the bass drum like, and and the transition between Saint and Terrapin is just like tat 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 tat, and it was really cool. Um, I really like that transition. It was an interesting way of doing it. But Terrapin, I thought was pretty bog standard terrapin i didn't think it was anything outrageous um wasn't good wasn't bad it was just kind of your you know generic terrapin um which again grading on a curve is it terrapin's an amazing song so this was good as well drums in space if it did have any benefit is that they were both pretty short if you get into space uh you'll hear some seagull sounds not fade away uh, this isn't one that i rate too highly and i know that might be a uh, controversial opinion um, but again, Brent was using the tone modulator at the beginning and it's, and it really made me kind of think about, you know, that aspect of the Grateful Dead, like what he brings to the table, um, even just with his, you know, left hand on the tone modulator, you know, you guys ever see, uh, you see this sometimes on Reddit, it's like a picture of an iceberg and like, you kind of like the things that people know about the band are in the top of the iceberg and like you go yeah. down and it's more obscure stuff. So, um, Brent's tone modulator use is really far down on the iceberg. But I was thinking about it, and it's really one of the things I love about The Grateful Dead. I love how he plays that thing. And it's, you know, reminiscent I guess of Stevie Wonder. Uh, you know, kind of like a funky um, tone to it. and like a, You know, it's like borrowing from, from funk. But it, I just love it. I don't know. I always have. Um, probably goes to you know back to what I was listening to when I was getting on the bus. And So one of the reasons I do love the early 80s is because uh, Brent was still using that thing. So, uh, it's a pretty drawn-out intro that doesn't really go anywhere. Again, it's just kind of ear candy for a fig. Uh, and it kind of leads sloppily into the verse. It was a pretty loose version. Um, I was listening to uh, my friend and uh, friend of the pod, uh, Dan, who I'll give a shout-out, because uh, he thought that it was kind of a Caribbean-like Bo Diddley beat, and it had that kind of loose Caribbean feel, which was interesting. Uh, at the end, I felt like they were going to break into Spanish Jam, and it could have, except they went into Stella. And Stella actually made me do some introspection. Um, when Jerry sings, a broken angel sings from a guitar. I mean, is that not a perfect summation of just the man himself? Yeah. It, it's it's fascinating stuff to hear him, you know, sing that and speak that. And we get a masterful Jerry solo in Stella as well. Round and round, I wrote that Bobby does Elvis. It turns out, I didn't know this, uh, my friend Dan told me this, that Round and Round was actually a Chuck Berry tune, and it was actually the B-side to Johnny Be Good. Mm. Yeah, pretty interesting. Uh, good Lovin', I wrote meh, so I'm a little bit in disagreement with Knob. Uh, oh, we're going to fight about that. Yeah, I know. It's the end of the show. It's going to lead to three weeks of really mean and personal DMs to each other. <laughs> well, just, just wait till the, I all of a sudden we have uh, 94, 95, 94. Oh, God. And you have to talk about it every week, buddy. Yeah. Um, and Tony's <laughs> was also meh. So I'm going to kick it over to my friend Game. Hello, hello. Sorry, hello. I, was, I was muted again. Um, yeah. Um, so spoiler alert, I thought set one was a lot better than set two, but set oh. two was still pretty good. Um, Feel Like a Stranger was good. Really enjoyed the super fast uh, Franklin's Tower. Uh, Sailor Saint was just okay for me. Um, I did really like Terrapin. 
Um, of course, I skip through Jumps in Space like any normal person would. No, that's not true. Uh, that, that you, you are correct. Yeah. Um, I so a, a little peek behind the curtain to uh, today. Uh, I, we are doing this during the work day. I don't think any of my coworkers listen to this podcast. And um, I was troubleshooting a problem with a a certain software. And <laughs> during during the troubleshooting, I was like. What the hell is this incessant drumming happening? And I realized that we were, I made it six minutes, six minutes through drums. And I quickly, 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 quickly uh, grabbed my phone as fast as I could and hit the skip button. Um, and it does interest me that there was seagulls playing during space. Why the hell he decided we're going to put seagulls through space? I don't know, but... Thank you, Fig, for listening to that and letting me know. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> uh, not Fade Away was good. Stella Blue was good. Uh, around and around. Eh. <laughs> eh. Um, and Good Lovin' was good. Um, and Nob, I agree. I my What I listened to did not have Don't Ease Me In either. Um, in, in fact, the first thing I picked out to listen to on the Relisten app, which if I just would have went to the Archive website, I probably just would have picked the regular one but it was just set one yeah the oh. newer miller board only has set one but it and, sounds uh, better oh my it god was, it's it's oh, excellent it and i at first i was like holy hell is this just like a 12 song show like this is great and it's awesome and it's so fast and then i looked at the uh at the at the reddit post and i was like oh no there is a second set i don't have here <laughs> so, yeah, yeah yeah there's a yeah. older uh, miller tape that's got the whole thing and it's just a little you know a little less in quality. It's not a bad tape, just the Dep- one that's just set one is great. Depending on our set voting, um, if we would vote for set one, I will use the updated Miller because it really is a, su- a substantial jump. Well, what, does that, what does that tell you about the quality of the show if Miller actually goes back to it and, you know, redoes, yes. you know, uh, how regard. So how does that, and I, I know we, uh, we have a hard stop here, a little peek behind the podcast curtain in 12 minutes, but how does how does that work? Like so, Miller records the stuff back in eighty one. Okay, and I don't think out- Miller was a recorder or whatever the hell he was, right? but he was an odd taper generally. Okay, so he he got this music, however the fuck. Okay, four times for me today with the F word. Um, how is the process to take it? Because it sounds substantially better, <laughs> like like the 2019 release and like the original release. Like, is it all just like software modifications? I is do it think like... that's a big part of it. Is improvement in the technology to digitize these tapes? Because that is the noticeable thing about the quality of the older Miller board is that it just sounds a little more compressed. It it definitely mm. sounds like it was transferred over in 2005, 2006 compared to this more recent tape having been transferred over in the last five years. Um, I do think that's generally a big part of it. But he also just might have gotten a nicer quality uh, tape through the trading and collecting, because sometimes, you know, you find yourself with a second or third or fourth generation tape, and then suddenly you can get yourself the first generation tape. Be a good question to ask Charlie Miller. One day when we get him on the show, I will ask him in those exact words, how the F do you do this, Charlie? <laughs> hey, uh, Charlie, important question from us. What the hell is going on? Yeah, just uh, how, explain the explain from A to everything. Z. <laughs> the floor's yours. 
Time so it what all. was a tape? Um, <laughs> like a scotch tape? You know what's scary? Like, there's definitely kids who post in, like, the set list threads who probably have never listened to a tape or yeah. used a tape or... Oh, those crazy I was like, yeah, kids. what a bunch of losers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> have you ever... I mean, like... You know, what, the, you know what a tape is. Obviously, I know what that, a tape is, and I've listened. Yeah. You know, I grew up in the tail end of the VHS era, and my yeah. dad is a big. He followed the dead for a while, so we have his tapes, and I've listened to them. Yeah, Which, but like, there's definitely kids who are like, you know, CDs, man. Like, ugh, CDs. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. ugh digital. Oh, <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, we do not have a Scarlet Fire to rate this week, so we're gonna skip that. However. We are going to move on to our Book of the Dead segment. Uh, Nob, has this made your Book of the Dead? Uh, I know I've been so positive about it, but I, I think no. Um, it's a very good, very well-played show, but there's not enough to really wow me to really put this in my Book of the Dead. Big Book of the Dead. Um going to go with yes going into the podcast um thinking about it more i, I mean i kind of agree with knob that like you know that this was a one-dimensional maybe superficial sounding show if you will um because of the letter c however i'm still gonna go with yes because it was awesome saying yes as well um okay. that i love set one set one was yeah. Awesome. oh yeah it was it was great um Set two was good. Set two was good. And and taking care of the next segment here. Uh we might have. Um but um earlier, one of my very first talking points was like, does a good does a great set overpower a bad set? And it's not like set two was bad by the stretch of the imagination here. However, I think set one was that considerably better. Um so Definitely makes my book of the dead. And spoiler alert for my which set am I going to vote for? I am also going to vote for set numero uno. Uh, that is Spanish for number one. Uh, Fig, what, uh, set one or set two? It's going to be one. I mean, uh, uno, as uno. I just learned. Um, Nob, do you want to say a number in a different language? Uh, eins. Ooh. Ooh, Said the mother tongue. Thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, well, that, that dovetails <laughs> with my MVP of the night, who was Brent Midland, who was famously born in Germany. Ah, very nice. Very nice. M my MVP is La Cocaina, also known <laughs> as Cocaine. Um, I think I'd also give it to Brent. Uh, I Jerry was also good. It would be Jerry or Brent for me, especially considering how much the, the Jerry-Brent interplay played into this show. But yeah. I, I found myself constantly going, ooh, nice stuff from Brent there. I was going like, to try to weasel my way out of picking an MVP and do like, what's it called when you combine two words to make a new word? Is that portmanteau? Portmanteau. Portmanteau. Let's make a, a brary portmanteau, maybe. Gent? I don't know. Yeah, at that well, at that point, you're just shipping them. Um, uh, I will say this conversation has gone way over my head <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> no cap. Um, no comment. Got some Reddit comments, however. 
Yes, uh, a whole bunch actually, um, and they were all positive. Uh, ignoring the setlist bot, uh, we had three comments. Uh, one from um, Octurian Ally, uh, one of my favorite shows. The next one was from Town Unique. Love this show. Excellent versions of Peggy O and Brown Eyed Women. And from good old Docman427, love the sailor circumstance. Terrapin, really getting into the early 80s dead, especially 81, thanks to the MSG box set. Yeah. I don't disagree, Docman. Some good stuff to get into. Uh, next week, we are moonwalking to 1976. Uh, June 1976, June 18th, 1976, to be Whoa. more exact, uh, at the Capitol Theater in Passaic, New Jersey. I always love when I can say the town, the the uh, uh, theater and the town uh, without any struggles. And this was a winner there. Um, it looks like a great 1976 show, to be uh, honest. Yeah. Crazy um, figures. A rare mission in the rain out of the Oh, Drifting is that what dead? that is? Nice. Yeah. Cool. I, I don't think I knew that the dead played Mission in the Rain. It's one of my favorite Jay Garcia band songs. So that's great. They did it, I think, four times in 76 and then never yeah. again. Knob really does do the homework, doesn't he? Uh, it's the pre-work, really. It's, it's <laughs> incredible. It's yeah. just incredible. It's sweat equity. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I have to Google these, but that was something I just knew off the top of my head due to the life choices I've made. <laughs> don't, don't spoil it for the listeners. You know it all. <laughs> um, Say yeah. Stephen Sandwich. Or Not yeah. Fade Away Sandwich with Stephen Buns. Yeah, they love Ooh. a good Stephen, Not Fade Away Stephen in this era. Um. I've listened to other shows from this week in June of 76, other ones in that Capitol Theater run, but I don't think I've heard this one. I'm excited. Yeah. All right. So that is next week. As always, please go ahead and smash that subscribe button and like and share with any and all of your Grateful Dead loving friends and family. If you are on the lot this year at a Dead & Company show and you need some good tailgating tunes, why don't you put on our podcast, uh, listen to us talk for an hour, and then turn it up real loud when the music starts playing. That would be kind of cool. Uh, you can find us at wherever podcasts are downloaded. Uh, however, you will not find us on ones that loosely rhymes with Blood Clotify. Um, that's disgusting. You had to go there. <laughs> Any other uh, podcast platform, though, you should be able to find us on. Uh, you may find us directly if you like to email, rather, if you like to download your podcast directly from the source at helponthewaypod.podbean.com. You may email us at helponthewaypod at gmail.com. You may communicate with us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash grateful dead. Any parting words for Knob or Fig? I'm still getting over blood clotify over here. Excuse me. Thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, Something about Wayne's World? That's it from me. Ooh, I like this. This is a very gentle ending of the Help on the Way podcast. <laughs>
Billy Jean was waiting for me She told me he would take me If I didn't use my gun I'd have no one but myself to blame I went down to the Stasis streets What was on my mind I guess that stranger hadn't heard the news Cause I shot first to kill him I loaded it and draw And I'll spend my life to the running With the next Cali hood Hey!
Thank you all. We'll be back in a few minutes.